You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Uh, we have a big event going on this Saturday, the 2nd of October. Be out in Evergreen Park for Evergreen Park's Oktoberfest. Socks in the Basement will be out there all day long from 2 p.m. until 9 p.m. It is all part of our Oktoberfest celebration. Get out there with us. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful, like mid-70s day. They've got indoor-outdoor, they've got the park next door, they've got this big, giant, sprawling event, and we want you to come out and be a part of it with us. Now, let me just tell you some of the things that are going to happen on this Saxtoberfest stop in Evergreen Park. They've got the beer garden, Open Outcry Brewings, pouring beer there, good friends of us. Art show, there's a tent for kids, and a corn maze, and pony rides, and a petting zoo, and a touch-a-truck where kids get to check out like fire trucks and army vehicles and all kinds of cool stuff. That will keep your kids busy. There's also entertainment, live band, a DJ, and then I am hosting, they've asked me to MC a Stein hoisting competition. Prost! Let's kick back, have a few beers, kick off this postseason in style. It's going to be centering at their event center, 3450 West 97th Street in Evergreen Park with the park next door as well. Get out and join us. It is free, and there is food and beer and drink and all kinds of different restaurants. It's almost like a taste of Evergreen Park. Get out and find us at the Saks in the Basement tent. Ed and I are going to be there. We've got stuff to give away, all freebies for you, and contest galore. We will be there this Saturday, October the 2nd, for Evergreen Park's Oktoberfest. Are you pumped? I am pumped. Good. I, I, that was Because that was a lot for me to get out. And if you weren't excited, I was, I was worried. No, I, how could I not be excited about that? I mean, I'm just I'm I'm trying to work on my Stein hoisting muscles here, and I think I may have pulled a Stein hoisting ligament in my elbow. Yeah, well, you know that happens when you do too much Stein hoisting. You know, Mama yeah, well, warned you don't don't hoist your Stein too much. Something bad will happen to you. Yeah, at least I didn't go blind. Something bad's going to happen to the Detroit Tigers, I believe, this weekend. Scott Greger is going to join us from the Daily Herald. We're going to talk about Jose Abreu getting plunked. His slide into second base, in which he did not go into second base and start a fight. It isn't like that brawl between, what, the Rangers and the Blue Jays a few years ago. Right. I think uh, Jose Batista was was in, involved in that one, where he slides in and a, and a fist fight erupts. This was a slide in, and Jose didn't say anything until that loudmouth relief pitcher gets involved in the thing. And then Jose's like, what are you mad about my slide for after you just plunked me? The 21st time I've been plunked this year. Scott Greger is going to talk about the incident. He covers the team for the Daily Herald. Uh, He's been all over this stuff, and he's had conversations with Jose in the past about being plunked. We're going to get into that with him. But we've got another series with these guys coming up this weekend, and there's not anything to play for really at this point, Ed. We've got the Astros with six games left as we sit down and record, and the Rays with six games left, and they're separated by six games in the standings. That's all locked in, so it's us and the Astros, and we're starting on the road, and that's likely what's going to end up happening, and that's perfectly fine. And then you have the wild card race, which is a jumble, and we're going to enjoy watching the end of that. But for the White Sox, in reality, this should be a get everything ready, 
go into the postseason. It would be a mistake to get into a beanball war or a fight and see somebody injured this weekend right before the postseason, a la Carlos Quinton smacking his bat too hard and basically knocking the 08 White Sox out of any chance of competing in the 08 postseason. Yeah, no, there's nothing to be gained from getting into a full-on brawl and risking somebody coming and sucker-punching Aloy Jimenez or stepping on his foot or breathing on him funny or saying his (laughs) name in a way that just doesn't quite jive mentally with him. Right, right, and then all of a sudden he's just injured. Something (laughs) bursts inside of him. Well, no, no, I mean, the the guy who would be most likely to get re-injured would be Adam Engel, who seems to be made out of glass this year. Like, I mean, well, he, Adam Engel, I'm assuming that in this scenario, Adam Engel doesn't make it out of the dugout. He just sort of shatters like the Terminator, you know, the T-1000 when he's right. been frozen. Yeah, right. that's that's pretty much where I'm going with Adam Engel. But I, I don't want to see them necessarily get into, you know, a 2000 uh, era brawl with, the, you know, with the Tigers where there's there's blood and, and gore and, and... And Terry Boom Boom Bevington jumps out of the stands and joins in just for old times today. Well, that I'd appreciate. That'd be, that'd be fine. I have nothing wrong with Boom Boom coming down on the field and, and throwing some haymakers, but... Hawk Harrelson just burst into the studio, rips the mic from Bonetti's hand and starts yelling the word slobber knocker. Yep. Like, I mean, like, I mean, that's, like, that's the only thing that could happen this Hell, weekend. you know what? If, if Jim Ross... If Good old JR wants to, to, to run in and grab the mic from Benetti's hand. I'd, I'd accept that too. Um, but, but I, I, you know, to your point though, I, I think they got to watch themselves. They got to stay healthy. They got to not do anything to get themselves hurt. That said, if a Mike Wright Jr. wants to, I don't know, put one in one of the Tigers' backsides really, really hard, at least as hard as he can, eh, that's, that's fine too because I do – I'm torn because I do think the Sox need to send a message because I can see where they go into Houston and all Lance McCullers does in game one is throw inside on Jose and clip him a couple of times or get him again in the elbow. And then they do that in game two with Framber and and however they're going to do it. And then Zach Granke tries to do it, but the ball bounces short of home plate at this point. He's not really getting anything done. If, however, they think the Sox are going to potentially you know, go back and are going to bust guys inside and aren't going to put up with it. Or if there is some fight shown, I'm glad Jose did that. I'm glad when he went into second and Nico Goodrum opened up his mouth or whoever started John that he immediately went after it. Yeah. No, and, and that's the thing. He's the emotional guy. He's, yeah. he's such a leader in that clubhouse. And when he got angry, just the reaction of the team, just the way that they went out there, that, you know, that's the kind of thing that just, pisses off an entire team in a good way. Like if they didn't have enough going for them, like, Hey, we're going into the postseason. Now they've got a chip. And so I don't want the chip to just disappear. So, uh, you know, you're right. It's like a fine line. I believe something will happen this weekend against Detroit. I almost expect it. On the other hand, they've got to be smart about it as well. I I think at the, I think at this point, the White Sox probably don't do anything Unless one of their players is like hit in the head, even if it's not intentional, you know, you get one like where Robert got hit a few weeks ago where the ball gets away and grazes off his helmet. All right. Or if a Brayu gets hit in any way, I would believe it would be on at that point. Like, I think that it, it, I'm not talking mound charging. I'm talking Tony goes, hey, go on out there and hit somebody. We've got plenty of pitchers, you know. Hey, uh, hey, hey, Lucas, um, they, they hit Jose. Can you just do me a favor and just. Just bean somebody, get tossed by the umpire, and we'll see you in the postseason. 
because we'll just bring in a bullpen because these games don't matter. Yeah, you, you get to about the fifth inning and that starter is going to go and, and just right. just haul off and, and launch one in because, you know, he's not – they'll appeal the suspension. There probably wouldn't be a suspension, but they'll – you know, if he gets tossed, he gets tossed. Yeah. You can just grab uh, grab a few guys off the bench like you did post-clincher game, insert a few of them in there to protect some of your better players and go to war. I, I don't know. I Here's the thing. That's the south side in me. That's the kid that used to go up after school to the tracks behind St. Dennis Grammar School. And when when somebody wanted to fight you, you'd be up there in the fifth or sixth grade fighting as the train went by about a block behind the school because that's where you met to go fight. And you fought on the train tracks, which is a little treacherous. And you win some and you lose some. But that's the south side in me. It's like, I'm done with this. Like, I don't care. The, the rational baseball fan in me is like, please don't do anything that hurts us because there's a bigger prize, which is going to the World Series and, and winning it. And the Detroit Tigers are a loser franchise with a loser team that had never had a chance all season long. They're going to be a rival, though, coming up here. And, you know, that's the other thing. They're going to get better and they're going to get good real quick here in the next couple of years. And I think this is the beginning of a rivalry that is going to be very, very intense over the next couple of years. But right now, they don't matter. On the other hand, the South side in me is like, if you touch one of our boys this weekend, let's go. You know, and I think a raucous, excited stadium full of White Sox fans, that it's going to be a sight to see this weekend if it happens. I hope it doesn't. I hope it's over. But I'm telling you right now, they plunk a Brayu again. All bets are off. They plunk a Brayu again, and I do think you see something thrown, but I do think it's going to be one of those where instead of having Gavin Sheets pulling Jose out of the pile, you're going to have uh, Gavin Sheets being told, okay, throw Adam Engel towards the pile. He's already hurt. <laughs> Poor Adam Engel. I love Adam Engel. If Adam I do, too. Show, I do too, but this is a lost year for him. God, I just want, oh, poor Adam. So you were saying you just pick up Adam Engel, you, you throw him like a projectile. But here's the reason why you throw, at, no, you don't throw him like a projectile. You toss him oh. into the pile because he, he's good hitting both righties and lefties. <laughs> so he can take on whoever the Tigers throw at him. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. From the Daily Herald on the show several times, a good friend of the Sox in the Basement crew, Scott Gregor's on the line. How are you, Scott? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you today? I'm doing great, man. We're almost there. Uh, I'm sitting around today uh, buying playoff tickets and and just envisioning which game we're going to, let's say, advance to the next round. Because I think this team is going to go very far in the postseason. It has an excellent chance of winning a World Series. And I'm along for the ride on this roller coaster. How are you feeling about the team going into this? 
Um, you, you know, I, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. Like number one, Chris, is that you know you can look, you know, really since the All Star break, they've been kind of treading water, but they had such a big, they've had such a big lead really since mid June that you know that's kind of understandable. I mean, they they just they didn't ask for the rest of the AL Central to be such a you know a mediocre division. So I, I think you know it's it's just kind of hard with such a long season just to. You know, to play well when you're not being pushed, like you know, like just about everybody else is really in the around the rest of the major leagues. So you know, they're they're not playing great right now. But you know, I'll go back to 2005 when they almost blew a big lead. Uh, the White Sox got hot at the end, and then you know, went 11 and one through the postseason and won the World Series. So you know, it could go either way. You never really know until you know, like Game One starts, you know, of the playoffs. But they like you know, I'll agree with you. They definitely have a chance. They have the talent. And it's just, you know, can it's not they don't really even have to flick a switch. It's just maybe just kick it up a notch. You know, one thing that can kick it up a notch is a little conflict on Monday. Jose Abreu gets hit, I think, for the 21st time and uh, didn't look very happy. It wasn't a Jose after he gets hit. He hugs the opposing pitcher and tells him, I know you didn't mean to hit me. Then he goes in the second base. It's a close play. Yes, he goes in hard, but there was nothing illegal about his slide. And he doesn't say anything afterwards until somebody says something about his slide, and then he basically starts chirping back, and an argument begins as the pitcher for the Tigers runs into the fray. The White Sox clear the benches. There's a little bit of pushing. I see Garrett Crochet in there getting a little bit physical. You don't see any punches thrown, but this team saw their leader get confronted on the field and sprang into action, which can really galvanize a team even more than it already is. What did you see in that exchange? Take us through it. Yeah, you know, Chris, I, I agree with you that, you know, first of all, um, this was a long time coming for Abreu. You know, just for some background, going back the last few years, I mean, this has been happening to him. I mean, teams just try to pitch him inside. I mean, they know they have to do that to try to get him out, limit the damage. But this year in particularly, that, you know, I don't know if it's just it, guys that just didn't get to pitch last year or young guys that don't know how to pitch inside, but he's been getting drilled like you know non-stop you know really since i don't think he got hit in april at all so he's been hit 21 times since may i mean that's that's quite a bit you know and just talking to jose through the last couple of years i remember once i asked him like do you ever get mad and you know he's just like he understands that what what pitchers are trying to do so he's like no you know I, that's part of the game <clears throat> but you knew you knew yesterday that it wasn't the slide you know it was you know it wasn't the slide that started that thing he was getting hit again it was Alex Lang, you know, that Tigers relief pitcher that, that kind of escalated it when he ran in there, like you said, you know, started chirping. And um, I, I, I just think that, that, that Jose just finally said, that, you know, enough's enough. And um, yeah, he's not, he wasn't hugging anybody yesterday. And I think, you know, I think a, a couple things that's going to be good for the White Sox is like, you know, yeah, it does kind of get everybody together like that. And then not, number two is, other pitchers, you know, they have they have two games against Cincinnati starting tonight, three more against Detroit. That should be interesting over the weekend to close it out into the playoffs. You know, you, uh, you know, pitchers know what happened yesterday, and I just think that's going to make it even more difficult for them now to throw him inside the rest of the way here. So that's an advantage for Abreu. That's an advantage for the White Sox. Um, and you know, it's it was something that was that was you know going to happen. I was like surprised when it did yesterday. I thought. You know, I just thought that he was going to be good with it for the rest of the season, but um, it, it, he finally snapped, and I, I think it's a good thing. Why doesn't he put a pad on that elbow? Is he not comfortable with it? Is it something where he's basically like, 
I understand that you get hit in the game of baseball and I'm not afraid. I'm just so many guys go up there wearing battle armor. He doesn't even have like a small pad on his on his elbow, which is surprising to me. Yeah, that's a great point, Chris. You know, he has been at that. um, I don't know. I don't know this year because this year has just been so bizarre with the uh, Zoom and everything. But we have asked him about that in the past. And what he says is. Like you, you see, like Moncada. You see, like I mean, if you remember, like AJ Krasinski used to look like a, you know, like a like a medieval knight with what he would wear up there. But uh, you know, Jose just doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't like it at all. I mean, I don't know if that's going to change because you know when he when he got hit yesterday, you could see that elbow swelling up. He might need to rethink that, but he's real adamant. He's been real adamant about. It. He just doesn't like the restrict restrictive feel that he gets from wearing padding. Do you have a preference for the game one starter? Well, you know, it, it depends on how you look at it. Do you look at the whole, like your whole body of work or how you're doing right now? If you look at the whole body of work, you probably give the ball to Lance Lynn. But, you know, since he's come off the IL, he hasn't been very good. I mean, six runs in his last uh, start at Cleveland, six innings, six runs. Not great. Um, Lucas Giolito, on the other hand, is, you know, he came off the IL at basically the same time with a hamstring injury. Has been, you know, better than Lance Lynn. So, yeah, and then you remember how Lucas Giolito pitched in game one at Oakland last year. Like, I think he had a no-hitter going, like, pretty deep into that game. I mean, either one, but I'd kind of lean toward Lucas Giolito, and then you have uh, Dylan Cease ready for game three. Let's talk Carlos Rodon before I get you out of here. I don't feel a lot of confidence when I hear Tony talk about him this past weekend and his throwing session. We're going to see him Wednesday night here. We're going to see how far he goes what is the feeling you're getting around the team about their expectations for if he's going to be ready to contribute in the postseason? Is this it for him? Did he just run out of gas because he hasn't really gone this far into a season in an awful long time? Well, you know, Chris, I think it's it's a couple things. I think he has run out of gas because I, I want to say he's only made eight starts since the uh, All-Star break, and he hasn't pitched more than, I don't think, five innings in any of those games. His numbers have been good, but yeah, he just doesn't have you know, he just doesn't have the endurance he did in the first half. But more concerning, I think, is the uh, it's the, the the soreness. I mean, his last start, he came out after you know the third inning, and I mean, Tony Larusa basically said, you know, he he said, I I'm sore, I can't I can't go anymore. Rodon after the game's like, you know, basically like I I, I never said that. I think it's a case of of he he's been so good. I mean, he's had such a a tough injury history, and he's been so good this year, and. He's not ready to pitch Wednesday night, but the White Sox are like, hey, you know what? This, you've earned a chance. You know, if you if you want to give this a shot, give it a shot. And I, you know, if he if he makes it past three innings Wednesday night, I think that would be a like a, a huge surprise. I, I don't think anybody's expecting it except maybe Carlos. And uh, you know, I don't know. I just it just it doesn't like you said. Yeah, it doesn't look very good. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. We're we're fortunate that we've got a good amount of pitching, an excellent bullpen. And uh, a resurgent Reynaldo Lopez and a young man by the name of Michael Kopech that I think might get called upon to do a little bit more this postseason and just come out and pitch one inning of relief, right? I, absolutely. And you know what? I, this this probably won't go over very well, but you, know, you have Dallas Keuchel there, too. He's been okay you know, his last couple, and you know maybe he's, I think he's figured something out, so at least you give him a look, even if it's like longer relief or something, but... In the end, the playoffs, you need depth. I mean, look look what they were running out there last year against the A's in the playoffs. Uh, that was a disaster. So, you know, if you, you know, you take like, like at least like Heichel as a, you know, backing somebody up or even if he has to make a start, 
that's a lot better than having like Dane Dunning and Matt Foster and some of those guys they ran out there last year. Yeah, it's going to be, we're going to have a much better team going out there. I love our chances. And Scott, uh, I'm sure you can't wait to just uh, strap in and go along for the ride here covering the team. Uh, Scott writes for the Daily Herald. You can also follow him on Twitter at Scott Greger. There's only one T in there. And uh, thanks so much for joining us, my friend. Uh, Always good to talk to you, Chris. Thank you. There is one final homestand this year. We don't know how it's going to go. So many things happening, though, in it. We've got Carlos Rodon going out there. As Scott Greger just said, he'd be shocked, and the White Sox would be very excited if Rodon could do uh, three innings or more in this game coming up. That's not a, a ringing endorsement to me in any way, but maybe we'll see a miracle on Wednesday night that'll give us a little bit more of a positive attitude towards Carlos. And then we've got this series against Detroit. Who knows what's going to happen there? Before you go into the ballpark, though, stop over at Cork and Carry at the park. It is a Southside tradition in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd in Princeton. They've got a great menu. They've got award-winning burgers. They've got ballpark food. They've got a they've got an incredible bar. They've got a selection of craft beers and your old favorites. They've got the full liquor bar behind the the bartenders there. They've got a great staff. They serve you indoors and outdoors. And we're gonna be there coming up on the 10th of October. That will be game three of the ALDS. Uh, we do not know the time, but we can, with a reasonable amount of you know confidence, tell you game three. Sox-Astros, the first game that the White Sox will have at home in that series, pregame starting two hours before the first pitch, maybe even sooner, because I want to get in there myself and see first pitch, two hours beforehand, a pregame party at Cork and Carey at the park on the 10th of October. So I know that sales are out right now for postseason tickets, and if you're buying a postseason ticket and you're going on the 10th, Make sure you join us beforehand. And if you're you're not going, you can't get in, come join us for the pregame and then stick around and watch the game right in the shadow of the ballpark. It should be a very, very good time. I tried to buy you tickets today, my friend, and it failed miserably. I appreciate the efforts. I understand that there were some technical difficulties that went on, or at least that's what you're saying. We have the pre-sale tickets, and yeah. they're on Dad's account because no matter how much I try to take over the season ticket account for my father— He's just stubbornly holding on to the thing. But the man doesn't have, he didn't have an iPhone until just recently. He actually made the White Sox print him up tickets. He was like, I don't have an iPhone. And they had to figure out how to deal with that at the beginning of the year. Now he has an iPhone and I had to show him how to use the thing. And today was the first time that he's ever had to buy tickets in his entire life, I believe, online. And I was trying to do it for him. I, he gave me his login. He gave me all of his stuff. I'm, I'm all set to go. I'm waiting in the queue. I get in there to go buy tickets. I go to buy the tickets. Everything's working fine. I put in the password that confirms who I am. I'm using his email address, everything like that. And an error pops up because it's reading IP addresses and I'm not one of the devices he normally uses. And I was like, oh, so then I had to get him on the phone and talk him through buying the tickets. It took 25 minutes to secure just one set of tickets for one game in the postseason. And then it just continued after that. So, like, I might still be able to get you some, but it's going to take a few days because dad's dad's running it over at his place, and it's a process. So it sounds like 
and this is no disrespect for your dad, for your dad, but <laughs> if I need to get tickets on his account, I'd be better off having him go and find a scalper for me. Right. You might have yeah, a better okay. shot at that. I wanted to talk about a trade that occurred in our fantasy baseball league the moment that the season ended because we're in a dynasty league because people have asked me questions since I made this deal and they've been trying to figure out why I did it. And I know the numbers behind it and the numbers behind the deal that I made also say a lot about the White Sox chances against the Astros. Let me explain. So I've won four out of the last five years in this league and we made Ed and I were sitting around trying to figure out like how to make it better for everybody because my team's so dominant. So I allowed certain teams that have never made the postseason in our league to steal players off my team. So everybody got to take one player that they wanted to off my team. And one guy took Dylan Cease. And we've talked about this a lot. Ed had him at the beginning of the year. I got him. He became a much better pitcher after I got him. Ed did that on purpose because White Sox players always underperform on his fantasy teams. But now he had been stolen off of my team. So immediately I turned around the moment trading opened up and I made a proposal that was taken. I traded Lance McCullers and others to reacquire Dylan Cease. I traded the game three starter, presumably, for the White Sox for the game one starter of the Astros. I did that because I think Dylan Cease is better than Lance McCullers. Oh, yes. Not only better, not only better now, better in the future. And when I'm saying that to you, I want you to, I want you to kind of think to yourself, wait a minute. So our third pitcher in that series is better than their first pitcher, likely, in that series. In fact, they're basically the same guy this year. And this should make you feel real good about the White Sox chances going into the series with Houston. Lance McCullers this year went out there with a whip of 1.24. Dylan Cease with a whip of 1.24. McCullers went 12-5, and and Cease had 13 wins this year with only seven losses. Dylan Cease leads the league, at least as we sit here right now, in strikeouts per nine innings. And his, his FIP, compared to McCullers, McCullers is a 3.48 fielding independent pitching, and Cease is a 3.43. They're basically the same guy statistically. Yeah. And there are certain things about Cease that I like even more. If your game three starter is equal to their game one starter because I think that'll be their game one starter. I might be wrong, but he 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 likely is. Game one or two. He, he, it's yeah. either him or Framber. Granky, Granky has not been very good. Framber Valdez has been good. So they might go, they might go. But here's the thing. You've got a guy in Cease that I think sometimes gets put down by White Sox fans like he's not a top-end starter. He's a top-end starter. He would be in the conversation to be the game one starter for the Astros if his name was Lance McCullers. Because based upon stats, they're the same guy. And you got that guy in game three. So I don't know what's going to happen with Rodon this week. I, I don't know what the plan is going to be. I don't know. I mean, what the heck? Dallas Keuchel is all of a sudden giving up two runs a game over the last three starts. That, that guy might be back on the playoff team. You don't know how they're going to use him. He's starting to figure it out somehow. I have no idea. Because he's a veteran I, and he's yeah, wily. And he wants he's to go crafty. be in the postseason. So the, the Sox are stacked. The Sox, I believe, have the better pitching staff. They have the better starters. They have the better relief pitchers. And with this entire team back and the beast that is Yasmani Grandal and the beast that is Luis Robert and the, the clutch that is Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson and the fact that Yoan Moncada is all of a sudden becoming Yoan Moncada 
like being what I wanted him to be all year long. Good luck, Houston. I think you have a problem. Oh, you had to. You had to. I go had to. With I can't help it. I, I honestly believe that this is the White Sox series to take. I know there's a lot of hemming and hawing. I know people are nervous. Heck, I have not liked the fact that we haven't been into this, like rattling off more wins than losses over the last month or so. But on the other hand, Houston just lost four in a row. So don't tell me they're hot. They aren't. They are not at all. Right. And as I said in a couple shows ago, and remember, you can go back and listen to all these shows on demand. Go back and find the one where I talk about Tony LaRusa and his impact in the postseason. It's titled. It's got something to do with Tony in the title. It's probably four or five episodes back. I'm comparing him to Dusty Baker. I would take Tony LaRusa nine times out of nine over Dusty Baker. Okay. I, I, it, there's no way I would want Dusty Baker managing my postseason team. He's not very good in the postseason. He overthinks it. He makes all kinds of mistakes. So you're sitting around waiting for the dusty mistake. You got better pitching. You got better hitting. You got a Hall of Famer baseball person with three rings. Like, this is our series. It's a disappointment if they don't win it. So don't start making excuses like, oh, we don't know what's going to happen. They should win this one. They should win it. And I'm looking for them to win it. Well, look, check out the mismatched Sox blog later on in the week. I'm going to break down the Sox versus all the other teams, kind of the way I did when Pakoda came out and said the Sox were toast and going to finish third in the division. Remember that? Suck it, Pakoda. Yeah, suck an egg, Pakoda. I was right. You were wrong. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, you come up with a good point about Dylan Cease versus Lance McCullers. The key stat that you brought up there is his strikeouts per nine innings. Dylan Cease gets railed because he doesn't go deep into games. He goes about five innings a game. Maybe he gets you into the sixth. But you're not seeing seven, eight inning games out of him yet. I think he could get there, but not yet. But while he's in there, if he is having a good game, if he is on his stuff, that strikeouts per nine is more telling than a strikeout total for a guy who doesn't pitch a lot of innings as a starter. That means that he is going after guys and he is getting them out and not putting guys on because they're striking out or he's getting the big strikeout when he needs it more often than not. And the Astros... They got pitching problems. They are also not what they used to be offensively either. And, you know, one of their key components is Michael Brantley, who is still hurt, may not be able to play the field, may be limited to being a DH. That's a 34-year-old guy with a bum knee. It's not, you know, not ideal for them. And as we pointed out in the last show that we talked about the Astros, their starting catcher is basically no better than a National League pitcher when it comes to hitting. So your Game 3 starter, the guy who probably should start their first home game, that that lovely day when you can go uh, and join us at Cork and Carry at the park and then go to the game or hang out and watch it there, you should be able to see Dylan Cease mow down guys for five good solid innings and then turn it over to a very good White Sox bullpen. And if that's the case, that's an extra week that Carlos Rodon does not need to pitch. That is extra time for him to get better or if they have to turn to Dallas Keuchel, they may not need him in that series. Yeah. I think I'm looking forward to, to them taking on the Astros. I think I, I'm not counting any chickens before they hatch, but if you were to tell me, you know, if, if me from the future, from, from the end of October to come in and say, yeah, but the Astros series was the easy one, I would say, okay, I guess that tracks. This is their series to go out and win. It's pretty obvious it's going to be Sox-Astros. Uh, it's time. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.